on this most glorious day in recorded history. Our scripture reading this morning provides us a glimpse of the events in the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in. The strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thank you. Well, happy Easter. I wanted to share with you, I had a little bit of a difficult uh, week. The, uh, and some of you have gone through this before. Uh, my refrigerator died. Uh, I went in and it was making funny noise and the little green light on the water dispenser started to go dim. And then it went out. So I called our repairman and he came quickly and he verified our worst thoughts. He said, it's dead. The circuit board is fried. It was tough to hear those words. All the late night snacks, the cold pizza. But, you know, we had to move on. And so Josh, our repairman, said, go to R.C. Willie. They're having a sale. R.C. Willie having a sale? So we went to R.C. Willie. And to get over the pain, we switched from our GE to a Whirlpool 
But we grieved even more as the salesman punched in the price of the refrigerator. I said, I thought you were having a sale. He said, well, that is the sale price. But you know what? I'll throw in delivery for free. We went home depressed. Two days later, I'm sitting on the couch. I had been in a show hole because I was watching all the episodes of Seinfeld. I'm sitting on the couch. It's late at night. And, and mind you, this is a true story. I am not making this up. I'm sitting on the couch, and I hear, as I'm facing the TV, my, my kitchen's to my left, and I hear a crackle in the kitchen. It was a familiar sound to me, and I ran over, and I looked at the fridge, and I heard a hum, and I heard air blowing. The green light was on, and my fridge was working. (laughs) I didn't quite know what to do. I didn't know how to handle this truth before me, this green hue that lit up the night. I thought, should I call R.C. Willie and and cancel my order? Should I get online and cancel that? Instead, I decided, you know what, I don't believe it. So we had a little fridge in the garage, and so I went and grabbed a few items out of the fridge in the garage, and I placed them in the fridge, my fridge that was dead, that now seemed to be alive. I put the items in the fridge, and then I went into the bedroom. Kina was sound asleep, and I shook her, and I'm all, Kina... Our refrigerator is resurrected. (laughs) She did like anyone would do. Leave me alone. You're crazy. Let me sleep. I got up early the next morning, and I stood in front of the fridge, and I opened the fridge. I grabbed the milk, and it was cold. I opened up the freezer. I grabbed my Hot Pockets, and they were cold. (laughs) Then came the real test. I grabbed a glass. I grabbed over by the water dispenser, and I pressed the water dispenser, and out came living water out of the fridge. And then I hit the ice cube maker, and ice came crackling out of the fridge, and it spilled all over me. It spilled all over the floor. I didn't care. My fridge was resurrected from the dead. So did I get online and cancel my order? No. I called R.C. Willie up, and the customer service woman answered, and I said, listen, my refrigerator that was once dead is now alive. I must cancel my order. She said, okay, sir, thank you. Would you like that on your debit card, the refund? I said, do you understand? My fridge is now alive. And I want you to know this morning, dear friends, that I grabbed a nice cold cup of water from my fridge, and it is still alive. There was a Friday, but a Sunday came, and now I'm enjoying life-giving water from that fridge. I never expected, I never would have even thought, my, my fridge was pronounced dead. It didn't even cross my thinking that it would resurrect, that it would come back to life. And that's what's happening in the Scriptures. There is no thinking that Jesus would come back to life. In 1876, the body of Abraham Lincoln was stolen. There was an attempt to take it. The whole community was shocked and dismayed, and the plot, as they were taking the body of Abraham Lincoln, they were 
the gentlemen were captured and they were imprisoned. And the body was buried in Springfield, Illinois, in a coffin. It was encased in steel and tons of concrete so that nobody would take the body because the body was so precious. That's what's happening on Easter morning. Nobody's thinking about resurrection. The body is precious. And so the disciples show up. The women show up first. Certain that somebody had stole the body. John 22 says they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. And then the disciples run. John goes in the tomb. He comes in and he sees. And the scriptures say he believes. Well, what does he believe? Not in the resurrection, friends. He believes the body has been stolen. They didn't understand yet the resurrection. The scripture even says that. He believes, and so they go back. They ran to the tomb. I'm sure they go back, heads hung low, walking back to the tomb. They couldn't wrap their minds around the fact of a resurrected Jesus. But the empty tomb means that there will be full life for those who believe upon the Son. The empty tomb is resurrection life. And Jesus is the resurrection. And Jesus is the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through Him. Scriptures remind us. But He is our resurrection. You see, God has an incredible way of raising dead things. He raised His dead Son from the grave after being put on the cross. He raised His dead Son who took the weight of our sin, who became the necessary payment for our sin. He raised them from the dead. Why? Why would He do that? So that each and every one of us, each and every one of us, could have life as we believe upon the Son. As we believe that He's no longer in the tomb, He is resurrected, and He is the life. And we shall be saved by Him as we place our faith in Him, as we surrender unto Him. We have full life from the empty tomb. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, through Your Holy Spirit this morning, would You minister Your resurrection life to each and every one of us? I know there are many in this room who have not come to know You, who believe You're you're dead and buried somewhere. Father, minister your resurrection life to them. Call them. Call their hearts. May they see you for who you truly are. Our Lord and our Savior, the resurrected Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for Easter. We thank you that you have conquered sin and death. And that we can have life now, full life, because of your resurrection. Amen. So here's a question as you, as you look at the Scriptures, as you look at the Gospels. Where were all the disciples on Easter morning? Where were all the followers of Jesus Christ? Ten of the disciples were behind closed doors that were locked. Thomas ran off by himself. He returns eight days later, but he's off grieving. There's those who decided they were followers of Jesus that 
you know, it's really just all over. There's seven miles down the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, we see. It's the women who come to the tomb first. It's the women who see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, first. And here's just a little tidbit of information. It's the women who are the first preachers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen, women? Keep preaching it. They show up at his tomb to wrap his body. Where is everybody? Most are living in fear. They're hiding out. They're, they're leaving. They're deeply downtrodden. They're afraid. They're wondering, how do we do life now? How do we step into this day? I'm scared. There seems to be a lot to be afraid of these days, doesn't there? Brussels was attacked. And whenever there's an attack like that and there is massive death, it's very sobering for us. And we start to fear death. The reality is our lives could end just like that. We fear death sometimes. We have a volatile and confusing political environment. We may be fearing that we're going through some serious health issues that we don't know what the answer is. Our job may be on the line. Your marriage may be really hurting, and you're wondering, what's going to happen with my marriage? There seems to be a lot to be afraid of. But the empty tomb, the empty tomb moves us from fear to faith. The empty tomb moves us into a faith that is filled with peace, that's filled with comfort, that's filled with courage to live on, to move in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You see, when the empty tomb, what it means is the resurrected Jesus shows up right in our midst. He shows up right in the middle of your fear. What are you afraid of? I want you to know, dear friends, Jesus is right there with you. Here's what's interesting when you study the resurrection account. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who finds the disciples. They don't find him. Jesus finds them. And here's what's true. He finds you. He finds you right where you're at. He finds you running. He finds you afraid. He finds you not knowing how to face the day. He finds you. That's the resurrected Jesus. He finds those who are right in the middle of their mess. And it's like being lost at sea, just waiting for your day to die. And all of a sudden, a huge shadow appears. And you look up and your eyes squinting into the sun, and it's a rescue boat that has found you. And a line is tossed out. Salvation has arrived. Reach out your hand and grab the rope. He found you. That's what our resurrected Jesus does. That's who he is. And because he conquered sin and death, he can save you from your sin. You are destined to die in your sin. He can save you. That's who he is. And he finds you right there. Jesus finds Mary weeping at the empty tomb and he calls her by name and her eyes are opened. He finds the men on the road to Emmaus. Their hearts are warmed and their eyes are opened. 
I want you to know something very clearly this morning. He knows your name. He loves you right where you're at. He wants relationship with you. He invites you in. He wants your eyes to be opened to see who He is. That He is the Lord. He is the Savior. And that He will save you as you receive Him as such. He shows up. And the Lord steps into fear and gives full life and empowers us to live life through the Holy Spirit. We have a new life. We are transformed, the Scriptures say. We're a new creation in Christ. And we want to live for Him. He gives us the courage to face on. Not only to face the day, but as we receive the resurrected Jesus, as we receive His life, His salvation, what happens is, now we are transformed and we want to live boldly for Him. Because He has saved us, we now give our lives to Him. Our lives are no longer our own. We are bought with a price, Christ's death on the cross. And now not only can we live on, but we want to live for His kingdom. Because He gives us full life. And so we share all that God has done for us. The resurrection changes everything. Life has meaning. We're forgiven. We have new relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, one of the great arguments for the validity of the resurrection is exactly this, this radical expansion of the kingdom of God, of Christianity throughout the world. How is that even possible? You had a bunch of guys hiding out, running for their lives, afraid. Fishermen and accountants and tax collectors. How is it that all of a sudden, to this day, one out of every three is a follower of Jesus Christ in this world? The resurrection changes everything. It changes your heart. It gives you new life. And you can't shut up about it. You are changed forever. The calendar went from A.D. to B.C. on that moment. No other event in the world has impacted man and the whole world like the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's amazing to think that Jesus never wrote a book, did he? In fact, he didn't write anything down. Yet there's more books written about the subject of Jesus than any other subject in the world. Jesus never composed a song, but there's more music written about Jesus Christ than any other subject, bar none, in history. He never drew pictures or sculpted, but there's more art that's been made about Jesus Christ than any other subject ever. Jesus never traveled more than a hundred miles from where he was born, and yet you find followers of Jesus Christ in every nook and cranny of the world today. The resurrection changes everything. He is the resurrection and the life. And He offers to each and every one of you this new life. He sees you. He finds you. He knows you by name. And He offers that life to you. Will you receive it? Grace poured out upon you. He knows you're messy. Grace poured out upon you. The empty tomb means 
New life, full life. The disciples couldn't shut up about it. Fear turned to faith and their faith filled with peace and comfort. New courage to live. But the empty tomb brought even more. When you encounter the resurrected Jesus, you are filled with joy. You are filled with the joy of Christ. You fall in love with Him. You know, C.S. Lewis came, he he says in his writing, "I, I came to Jesus kicking and screaming. I didn't want anything to do with Him. But He kept wooing me. He kept calling my name. And he writes a book. And what happened with him, he goes, the one thing that I was surprised most about I was surprised about joy. God filled me with a deep-seated joy in my life. I would have never expected that. That's what happens when you encounter the resurrected Jesus. Do you want that joy? Then have Jesus, invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You will have joy. Picture the scene with Mary, like was read this morning. Picture her. Picture her looking inside this tomb. And she thinks she's talking to a gardener. I picture her looking in the tomb. The gardener and her are having a conversation. And then this is what happens as she's looking inside the tomb. Mary. She hears her name. And she hears the Lord calling her name. And she turns, Rabboni, her eyes are opened. She sees the resurrected Jesus. And all of a sudden that fear and that wondering, what happened to the body? Everything is dispelled. And you know what she's filled with? She's filled with joy. And she can't help but just grab a hold of Jesus and hold on to him. It's like a mother sending off her son or daughter to college for the first time. They're filled with with fear and yet incredible joy and all the new excitement. And and you're hugging your child. They don't even realize that their child can't breathe in the hug. (laughs) Mary is filled with joy as her eyes are open to see her Savior. Here's what the Gospel of Matthew says. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Stop looking for the body. He's risen just as He said. Come and see the place. Then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has risen from the dead and He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Now I have told you. So this is what verse 8 of of Matthew 28 says. So the woman hurried away from the tomb. They were afraid, but they were filled with joy. That's what happens when you encounter the resurrected Jesus and the truth of His resurrection. When you realize that Jesus is not in the tomb, you are filled with His joy. Will you receive His joy this morning? You may look back in the tomb sometimes in doubt or in fear, but here's the truth. The tomb is still empty, people. The tomb is still empty. 
Yet you're filled with joy. You can't shake it. You're, you're like a child who is at Christmas time looking forward to opening up the gift. And once you open up the gift, you've got to share about the resurrection and the beautiful gift that you received with childlike faith. It's pure joy. I want to share a video with you. Childlike faith sharing the joy of the resurrection. The tomb is still empty, dear friends. isn't pure joy, I don't know what is. But that's what Christ brings, the resurrected Jesus Christ. And to receive Him with a childlike faith, to rejoice in what He's done for us. I love what they said. It's not that complicated, really. (laughs) And it's not. Jesus offers this free gift of grace to each and every one of us. 
The question is, will we open it up? Will we receive it? Because when we do, our lives will never be the same. The resurrected Jesus brings us incredible faith that's filled with peace and with courage and comfort. And He brings us joy. The empty tomb means full life filled with these things. And the empty tomb gives us full life and it gives us hope. The followers of Jesus Christ were were not only wandering, not only grieving that the body was taken, they were hiding and they were hopeless. In an interview with Larry King, he lives a life that is filled with fear, fearing death. He hopes that cryogenics will be his answer. And so he's going to be frozen. He said in an interview, I want to be frozen on the hope that they'll find whatever I died of and bring me back. They asked, do you fear death? He says, oh, I fear death. My biggest fear is death because I don't think I'm going anywhere. And since I don't think that, I don't have a belief. He said, at least I have a shred of hope in my cryogenics. Some people don't have any hope at all. The disciples were wandering around hopeless, not sure how all this was going to work out. The empty tomb means that there is hope again. The resurrected Jesus gives you hope and fills you full of it. Jesus finds you in your hopelessness and he brings hope. He found a young American soldier in 1955. He found him wandering the streets of Jerusalem. And as he was wandering the streets, lost, he had gone through a whole life filled with pain and tried to ease the pain with wine, women, and song. And he was wandering around, hopeless, lost. He had ended up in Jerusalem on a leave from the military. He happened to come by a small door, and on the door it said, The Garden Tomb. And so he knocked on the door because it was closed. And a Palestinian gardener opened the door. He said, What is this place? He said, Well, this is the place that Christians believe that Jesus died and rose again. Make yourself at home, take a look around. And so he did. He went to the site where the tomb was. There was a big stone. There was an empty tomb. And he decided, I'm going to take a look in. And so as he came closer, you have to lower your head. For those of us who've been there, you have to bow low to get into the tomb. And you end up in here. And he sat. And he started to think, about his life. Started to think about what a mess it was. And then he started to talk to Jesus. He couldn't believe that he was talking to Jesus. He hated Jesus because there was a lot of stuff that went on in the church that destroyed his life. And yet he started to pray to Jesus in that empty tomb in 1955. And he cried out to God, 
And he said this. He said, if there really is a God, I want the God of Joanne. Joanne was one woman in his life who was a follower of Jesus, and that's the only Jesus he ever knew. If there really is a God, I want the God of Joanne. And so he invited the God of Joanne to come into his heart. And he said, come into my heart and change my messed up life. And he did. You see, God found him right there in the empty tomb. My father's life was never the same. Empty, painful, hopeless life. That at that moment, like when Mary turned, the risen Jesus Christ spoke his name, Ron, I love you. And he was filled with hope. And like First Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. You see, it's not cryogenics. We have a hope, an inheritance in heaven, in eternity with God, and it can never perish or spoil or fade. It's kept in heaven for you. Will you receive it? A life that goes from fear to faith that's filled with peace and comfort. Courage to go on. Courage to tell the story. Life so filled with joy that my father couldn't shut up about it, so he became a pastor and shared the good news of Jesus Christ all around the world. So filled with hope that he kept pointing to the living hope. You see, the empty tomb means full life. And that's the invitation for us all. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. You know what? I know many of you in this room are living with a full hope, full of joy. You have a living hope and you have a peace. But many of you are like my father. You're searching, you're wandering, you're lost. But I want you to know that the resurrected Jesus has found you this morning. Right where you're at. Are your eyes open to see him? Is he pulling at your heart? Are you ready to receive him? Like my father was in that empty tomb like C.S. Lewis was, even kicking and screaming, yet ready to receive him. His death on the cross and his resurrection was for you. He knows your name. The resurrected Jesus is the Savior. He is the conqueror of sin and death. He is the payment for your sin. And he now offers you new life as you submit your life unto Him, here's the good news. You shall be saved. All the weight lifted from you into new life. 
And so I want to give you an opportunity this morning to receive the resurrected Jesus into your heart. Just like my dad did in that grave. And so if you'll bow your heads with me. And if God has found you this morning right where you're at. And if he has called your heart. Invite him in. And pray this prayer in your heart with me. Like that young soldier did. Even though he didn't fully understand. Jesus, I see you. And I thank you for finding me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. For my mess. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Cleanse me, Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. To be my Savior. To be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. For hearing my voice. Thank you, Jesus, for making me new. I receive you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for loving me. I love you. Amen. If you pray that prayer in your heart and receive Jesus, I want to let you know a couple things. You are now saved. You are now a child of God. You are now washed and cleansed and purified of your sin. And you now have a new life that is filled with peace and with joy and with hope. And you have a promised eternal living hope and inheritance from God in eternity. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And I say to you, welcome to the family of God. Our resurrected Lord is alive. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.